Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Hey, no easy answers, but there's one thing I know. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast. Boys, I think I hear that banjo. Yo, welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast on the Armchair Media Network. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always by my offensive and defensive coordinators, Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. Fellas, it's been like two or three years since we've recorded. How, how are y'all doing? Andrew's got, he got taller, it looks like. Uh, KB, I, I've noticed that this is going to be our 20th episode. Um, and so this might be uh, jump starting the point here. But I'm not sure if you remember, but the last attempt at uh, a podcast that you and I tried, we only made it 20 episodes in. The name of that podcast was The Life Champions. Oh, but uh, it was a very, very, very just uh, poor attempt at a uh, Butch Jones joke. And um, here we are, episode 20 again. And we have Tennessee as the, uh, I guess, Number one, number one, uh, horse in the race story right now. Segway King, Andrew Stevens. I did not follow. By the way, in case anyone was checking in on that one, at least just crash landed into the hangar. So for 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 those who are, if you're listening to this podcast, there's no way you don't know this. But uh, earlier today. Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt decided, was it an actual firing or was it a mutual parting of ways? No, firing with cause. Firing with cause. Okay, good. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure. Tennessee fired Jeremy Pruitt with cause today. Um, the number one cause, if you know, you inject him with truth serum, is that he's not a good head football coach. Um, but <laughs> in addition to that, apparently rampant recruiting violations to like close to, if not at, you know, 2013, 14 Ole Miss levels. Um, AD Philip Fulmer also, uh, you know, retired today, <laughs> completely unrelated, um, <laughs> and just pretty coincidental, if anything. And Tennessee also let go of nine other football staffers in various roles of seniority. Um, Rippy, you're the actual reporter here. What have you heard about this and sort of was this always percolating? Or did this really just get ramped up in the last 72 hours or so? Yeah, Ruby, how you been? How you been? Uh, we, I, 
kind of cut you off there. So just <laughs> no, it's okay. I just need to get that. You know, he was asking who got taller, and I was as much as I had hoped, I didn't. So I got my check in there, but. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard anything more than what like anyone else has and really just from what i've from what i've read and it's fascinating because well one just the, the how quickly it happened but two it you might start a trend here because kansas kind of did this with whatever clown they fired before uh less miles but i think essentially what is happening here is they were tired of jeremy pruitt being their football coach because they sucked this year and all of a sudden an ncaa investigation popped up and they basically just kind of amplified that, to, for the lack of a better phrase or word, to get him fired. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it where they're releasing letters and documents and shit that they wrote to prove that his termination letter got out in the public. Like, they're, they're literally just basically amplifying this so they can get rid of him. It's like a, I don't even know the expression to call this, but like, they're cutting off their nose to spite their face, I guess. I mean, they're amplifying this NCAA investigation, which seems very serious. All just to get the bald guy to go away. They gave him an extension like seven months ago. Exactly. <laughs> the, the only thing that I'm kind of frustrated with is like, I don't really know who to hate here. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of waffling back and forth because like on one hand, I, I generally just hate all things Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, the, he, he doesn't seem as if he's generally been competent and I like to have staked my claim on the Jeremy Pruitt was never not, or was never going to be a success at Tennessee Hill. But also like, I, I generally am not like one to uh, sing the praises of like athletic departments right now, especially when they're like kind of just screwing people out of contractually obligated money. And so um I think this is just more annoyance at the University of Tennessee, and it's because I don't know who to be properly annoyed at. It's it's weird because, of course, when things like this happen, it's usually of the AD's engineering. It's like, okay, cool, we have a case against this guy, so we can avoid a buyout. We suck, you know. We were cheating and we sucked. And I will say this about Hugh Freeze era Ole Miss: they were cheating like hell. You know, more so than I think even the average SEC program did. But they won more than Ole Miss had won in the previous, you know, 20 to 30 years. i got to give them that. They were a bounce away from going to Atlanta. What's the closest Tennessee's been to Atlanta since Philip Fulmer got fired in 2008? Under Butch, randomly. Not even because they were good. They backed they, into it. <laughs> they, had that one, they had that one moment before Terrence Cody blocked a kick. Yeah, and it was – One glimmer of hope. Well, someone said today, they said – T Bob T Bob snapping that ball on time in Tiger Stadium in 2010. Everything has been downhill for Tennessee since then. I mean, that's true because LSU was what like they're rare. That's gonna be a top 15 road win for Tennessee. That's what you need in recruiting. And <laughs> yeah, that's 11 years later. Here we are. Um, but now here's my my question. Um, it, it, we kind of saw. There was the original talk that Auburn was going to go through what kind of Tennessee. I feel like Tennessee's coaching search last time has kind of set the precedent for like the absurd offseason now. And it's it's kind of funny that the guy that they ended up backing into is going to end up creating what is probably going to be this like self-perpetuating cycle for them. But like they Auburn ended up with Harson, and I, I think he was kind of in the position where it was like, all right, this is a safe enough hire to prevent us from getting embarrassed and having like fucking the NC state coach and the Louisville coach and shit, like turning down our program. Uh -huh. is, what is Tennessee going to just go like 
super safe hire and probably have someone else that's going to end up flaming out? Or do they like end up putting their necks out there again and, and trying to do the 17 different coaches before someone ends up taking the job shtick? So former announces he's stepping down today too, and they hire Kevin Steele, which there was no way that was an accident. And there's also no way that Jeremy Pruitt was just dying to hire Kevin Steele. Not bad at his job. I just, I don't, I don't see that being the case. That seemed like more of an orchestrated move because you remember some three weeks ago, which seems like we're ages ago, that guy was the interim head coach at Auburn. And now he is the interim head coach at Tennessee. And Mm -hmm. if we're stepping down and explicitly says he wants to hire the football coach, at this point, it's January 18th. Like coaching search season is basically over. Don't you just like, don't they ride with this guy for a year and then make a hire next year? Signing days in two weeks, first of all. The, the you know, obviously early signing period was, you know, already done and most teams have their classes put together, but there are a lot of like, you know, prospects that maybe they just get academically cleared or they figure something out, you know, after the all star game circuit and whatever, they have more film out there, whatever. You're you can't fire a coach in between signing days. It's <laughs> you have to figure this out. I will say this about Kevin Steele and Stephen Goffey has a really good piece on this on you know one of our spiritual cousins, um, you know the Banish Society. There are three. De- there are three defensive coordinators on the roster between Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Ansley, and Kevin Steele. That was never ever going. They were never going into the season with that. Um, but I, I do want to flag this for people of a certain persuasion. I understand what Kevin Steele just pulled off. You are not guaranteed to do a successful coup just because the first one didn't work. I don't know who needs to hear that. (laughs) But (laughs) I just need to make that clear to a certain number of people. Okay, so – but in all seriousness, along those lines, do you think that's part of maybe what got him to Tennessee? And I'm not even saying like the obvious is like, Oh, you think what you just tried to pull off at Auburn's cool? Because uh, Phil Former is known to orchestrate a coup himself. Uh, you know, last coaching hire, he just weaseled his way in there, becomes the idea that makes the hire. Like, I just wonder if Former was like, damn, it was impressive what Steele did at Auburn. Watch this shit. And then that was like a convincing point for him. It's like, you want to fuck shit up here? Like, come on. Phil Former, so- he perfected the head coaching coup. When he got Johnny Majors the fuck out of Knoxville, <laughs> how dissimilar is this from from what Matt Luke or what Steele is hypothetically going to be facing? How much different is that from Matt Luke in in Oxford? Even shorter, of a, even shorter of a leash, though. Oh yeah, and I don't. I would think it's just like a, I would almost equate it more to like a. I mean, this isn't a perfect example, but like the John L. Smith, Arkansas thing to where you go into yeah. it. I guess that's what Matt Luke started as. My memory is so diluted from those three years. That really, I guess, was what Matt Luke started as. They're actually pretty similar. Now, whether some meddling president comes in and says we have to hire him instead of uh, hire Steele instead of I don't know, Dave Doran like Ole Miss did, uh, I guess remains to be seen. But I guess the longer he sticks around, the better, uh, the better a shot he's got. I think the Matt Luke thing was also well. Damn, Kevin Steele's an alum. All right, never mind. I guess Matt's yeah. Matt Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought. I, well, Matt Luke was already there, and you know, already had a decent relationship at least at the time with the AD. Um, Kevin Steele's not going to be working for the AD that hired him. 
who retired four days later, which again, you know, congrats to Philip Fulmer on a spectacular career and unrelated retirement to his university world and scandal. Um, yeah, I don't, man, Ole Miss was just better at cheating because they got like Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> And and Tony Connor and Laramie Tunsil and Robert Candici. Like and, at and least Greg have, Little. if you're gonna cheat, you have to have a moment. The only five star Tennessee's gotten in the last like two or three cycles is currently in the transfer portal with his financial aid currently revoked. Like he's <laughs> Dude, Hugh Freeze was so good at recruiting the state of Georgia during that period that he got Mark Rick straight up fucking fired. And he's he he helped contribute to the Dabo dynasty more than anything, those two men. He's still doing it. He's getting a four-star or two to Liberty every blue moon. <laughs> the man can sell some product. Oh, man. He can uh, – Hugh Freeze is just about – okay, so we have to talk about if it's not Kevin Steele, which I think at this point there it's not guaranteed it'll be Steele. Who does Tennessee go after? I feel like this is just, you know, give Billy Napier what he wants and call it a day, but it's – obviously that's not what's going to happen. Um, so <laughs> – so what would you guys feel like, outside of Hugh Freeze, what would be the most entertaining result out of all this? Man. I, it's Hugh, right? It's, it's, it's still Hugh. Like, that's what everyone – I, I mean, I, don't, I can't end the guy, but I, that was what I would want. But how – like, you know, people – the whole two sides of that argument is, well, Tennessee, you know, why are you firing the guy for NCAA violations and then hiring Hugh Freeze? And then there's the other camp that's like, or they can do whatever you want to do. Actually, you probably can't. I just don't see Greg Sankey signing off on that with the way Hugh Freeze left Ole Miss. He, Sankey blocked him from a couple, at least one coordinator job, probably two, when he tried to immediately get back in. I don't think that would be the case if it was like elsewhere than Tennessee now. I think Freeze could get back in the SEC, but I don't see Sankey signing off on that. T- Tennessee, like – they make me so black pilled as like a as a football fan just because if you try and put yourself like in their shoes, I I, I just do, I mean I, I'm a Georgia fan. I'm a Georgia alum. As as any as any reasonable Georgia fan, like you have to operate everything just like with a level of like humor and skepticism and like there's no way that this this can't hurt me if this doesn't matter and. I just don't understand like how you look at a program like Tennessee where like reasonably there are a large majority of their fan base that remember them being like pretty legitimately good. I mean, very nationally. I mean, they, they won the first BCS national championship. Um, and so, I mean, I think that was what most people would consider like the start of modern football. So if you have a title in modern football, but like, uh, I guess I kind of want to transit that we can transition into maybe talking about Bama a little bit because this is something I've wanted to talk about. But like, they make it feel so fucking futile. Like, how on how on earth is Tennessee not only supposed to like dig themselves out of this hole, but like there are, there are expectations over there that like we're going to be a, a national power again, which means like at some point they're supposed to be competing with this version of this Alabama team that we just saw, like, like I just don't understand, like, like the Gulf, like when I think of Tennessee, I think of like the expectation Gulf in college football might be wider there that like, like it just is like, might as well just throw in the trash. We can't even like, it might, not, not even worth starting over. So br- briefly, and I guess we can transition into some Bama talk after this. Uh, there are six prestige jobs in the SEC, Bama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. 
Uh, the other five have had something to hang their hat on in the last decade. You know, Georgia is recruiting like gangbusters even more than they ever have been, and they have everything in place to take over once Nick Saban retires. Uh, Florida looks to be doing some things right on the football field under Dan Mullen. Auburn can plug them off once every three or four years. LSU's proven, you know, they can wreck shop if the stars align. What's I mean, what's Tennessee got? The fact that they are in East Tennessee and can recruit East Tennessee? They haven't been doing it well, but they can, they have also, that though. I'm not you're like you're not convincing me that Tennessee is any like AM is far above Tennessee in terms of like any sort of relevance. I just mean like historic prestige jobs. And even and speaking back on that, piggy relating it to an earlier topic. I don't think Greg Sankey wants Hugh Freeze at any of those schools because Hugh Freeze can actually like come back in earnest in any position at those six schools. If South Carolina wants to hire Hugh Freeze, Greg Sankey would have been like, hey, man, yeah, sure, go for it. You know, <laughs> you know, if Arkansas or Missouri wanted to hire Hugh Freeze, yeah, hey, good luck, Hugh. But I don't think he wants him at one of those six jobs. And to, I guess, to like even just underscore your point further, in all actuality, Tennessee is in the the – the next five level of jobs that you named that was not, or that the ones you didn't name, like the ones that have kind of had something recently, but they don't even have that. Like, what if they had recently? I know Butch, which Butch had a nine win team. Was that, is that correct? Back to maybe back to back nine win seasons, whatever it was. Butch had a 10, I think. <laughs> That's the closest thing they've had to anything since Fulmer left. And so, like, we've talked about this on this podcast before. They're like the Nebraska South to where it's like, that's never happening again because you just don't have any advantages like it you did at any other time. So I don't know who they hire, but man, if they were trying to kind of get a quick fix and like have the, you know, they always talk about one hire away. I don't know how the hell you do that. Now you've basically just pigeonholed yourself for at least a year. And is this NCAA investigation is as serious as it sounds as dumb as I think those things are, but you're talking about multiple level ones. They're probably screwed for another three to four years at least, aren't they? Because when NCAA – I mean, I've covered the the whole Ole Miss fiasco, and everyone when the penalties finally came out was like, oh, they got a slap on the wrist. But it's not just that. It's all the shit they drag you through while they're dragging the investigation out. That hurt Ole Miss equally as the penalties did. And it took a while to come back from. If you've got money, you can make almost – any violation go away except level ones. Level ones are just like, no, we're like setting up a satellite office in your town and we're not leaving until we figure this shit out. Everything else, it doesn't matter. It's fine. You know, but the fact that Tennessee had multiple level ones and could not like make bowl games is just, it's unfathomable. What are you doing? What do you, you can not get your money's worth? I, I think that there. I think that Tennessee is an interesting trial balloon here because we, we've talked about this before. But like, I think that there is a tendency from the NCAA, especially like you, you see this, especially in football and basketball, um, where they're going to go after the biggest program that they can do without actually like shuffling the way that the current deck settles. And what I think is interesting about Tennessee is. I think at just about every point in their history, they would have fallen into the category of like 
no, you don't like you don't ruffle feathers there. Like it, it, it's it's not worth like the, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Like I think that's why you see someone like Ole Miss, like we talked about, like that's why someone like Ole Miss gets popped for this in football while you have and, and the Missouris of the world get popped in football while you have just about the same violations going on at bigger programs that don't. That's why you have kind of like LSU get dragged through the mud in basketball while you don't have someone like Arizona and Sean Miller just because like you don't shuffle the current deck. Kansas gets out of those type things. And so I think that it would be interesting to see Tennessee operate now as like, all right, y'all haven't necessarily been relevant in the past 15 plus years almost. I mean, I guess they went to the SEC championship in what, 07, but like Uh it will be interesting if they actually end up popping them because I think that will kind of be a show from the NCAA too, because like the NCAA kind of also like helps determine these like power structures and these hierarchies. And so like, if they actually end up hounding them and going after them, I mean, that's going to be a harder hole for them to end up digging out of long-term too. Butch Jones told Trevor Lawrence's father that his son couldn't help them out. Uh, they didn't offer T Higgins, another lifelong Tennessee fan, Tennessee native too, I think until way later in the cycle unrelated, you know, Trevor Lawrence and T Higgins, like, you know, put a hole through Nick Saban's defense in a national championship game once. You know, I can those guys, could those guys have helped out Tennessee? Who knows? I, I, I can't answer that question. Um, but <laughs> I mean, who in the hell? Who did Tennessee finish this season with quarterback at quarterback? Can y'all name him? Because I can't. Was it not Garantano? Was it not eight year starter Jared Garantano? <laughs> I don't believe he finished a year. I believe he got benched at some point. And I don't. I mean, if, if you told me if you throw out any name as to far as who finished the year for him, I'd be like, yeah, sure, that sounds right. There's there's something about Tennessee quarter. I, I'm it it went Casey Clawson. Jonathan Crofton or Eric Ainge because they both simultaneously played at the same time, and then Jarek Garantano. Those are the only quarterbacks that have played. And Tyler Bray got one snap in there somewhere. And those are the only <laughs> that have played. I I don't remember. I, I refuse to acknowledge the Josh Dobbs era, but <laughs> they. they I, I I feel like that they're like a a memory hole for quarterbacks, just where it's like how. Ha- how in the fuck is that guy still like under center there? If I were Georgia, I would simply beat Josh Dobbs. I didn't feel like it was that hard, but you know, whatever. I guess I, we're I guess we're built different. I, I simply would not let Josh Dobbs throw a Hail Mary on the last play of the game. <laughs> so go so fellas, we, we are the world's most ethical college football podcast, so we do have to talk about actual college football. Uh as you know, last week, Bama did win the title in the fake season of 2020. Um, it, it's easy to say it's Bama, it's inevitable, but it this felt different. Bama hadn't done this to a team in a title game since Notre Dame in 2012. Um, title games have been pretty close for them, except for when Clemson, as I mentioned before, Tennessee recruits Trevor Lawrence and T. Higgins uh, just tearing a hole through Alabama. Is God, I hate to say this as an Alabama fan, but what would it take to level the playing field? I know some people think reducing scholarships, we're not even going to entertain that because fuck that idea. Um, how does the level, how does the playing field get more level from here? All right, I just want to, I'll get into this. I just want to start with who cares? Fuck you. And, uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like relishing the fact that like 
you're going to be 44 years old and you're just going to have like a bad time on Saturdays when Nick Saban is dead. That's the only thing that I can gain like joy out of right now is just like when we have money to go travel back to these games, I'm going to just get to laugh at you. And that's the only thing that I can, I have to maintain our friendship for at least like 18 years. So I can laugh in your face when Georgia beats you. Bama in like 18 years. I'm with Andrew pretty much on that one too. And just in terms of like, now there's years where they've come back to the, like really the only SEC West team that's really challenged it was Ole Miss those two years. And that's not really that happening with anyone soon, unless A&M kind of builds off of what they did this year. But in terms of just evening the playing field in general, I don't know if you can, this is the greatest college football run ever. Like he's built a machine that is literally unstoppable. Now there's a the, the larger conversation of what do you do to get the same six programs out of the playoff every year and make it even that way. I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that. But as far as Alabama is concerned, I don't think there's anything you can do. I think this is just a machine that's going to have to run its course. Yeah, I also uh, – Is this the best Alabama team ever? Because it's got to be in the conversation. They didn't, yeah. gave them a game. Ole Miss so, kind of. Ole Miss, Florida, technically, even though that was Edson fucking Bennett gave him yeah. a half. That's true. That's he gave him a half. That's a Bennett did give him a half. I want it, it's tough for me to say best season, best Alabama team ever because I think, and I, I've said this before. I think talent wise, Nick Saban's two best teams didn't win national championships. They twenty sixteen six twenty sixteen is the gold standard for me in twenty eighteen as well, and they both lost to Clemson in the Natty. Um, but I think this was the best season ever, considering circumstances. Um, I just know. don't like it. I agree. I do think it is, but like, it's just so hard. Like, I don't know where kids' heads are at. Like, I don't know who can't. Like, like, like I, I definitely understand that. Like, Bama's like th- those kids operate the exact same. Like, a lot of them have the same issues and and problems that kids at Notre Dame and Clemson and Oklahoma might have. Um, but. I don't know. They're they're like, and this is like this is a testament to Alabama. But like, the more like infrastructure that you have set up, I think like that even further elevates you from the playing field. Like when things get hectic, does that make sense? Like like, oh, like sure, they, yeah. they have so much more insulation from like like. like there's there is going to be a plan for testing. There's going to be a plan for keeping them safe. There's going to be a plan for like having meals and stuff. And like I'm not saying like all of the other big programs didn't do that, but like I just feel like it's hard to say that like this is the best team ever when like their infrastructure may have played into that more than just like talent on the field. For sure. And I think, you know, you see years like last year when LSU can win it or a year like Auburn in 2010, or even, I guess, oh, it's it's a little different now, but at the time, Ohio State in 2014. Um, in an average year, a team can just get hot and win it kind of out of nowhere. Uh, when the season began, started to look like the way it did when they had to cancel games and when conference only, it was always going to be Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State. It always was. The fact that Oklahoma dropped two random games early was kind of a shock um, because there was going to be those three programs. Like you said, Andrew, they have infrastructure. If a new kid's the Eastern Seaboard, the only person that's safe is like the president and whoever he picks to come in the bunker with them. You know? And 
I think comparing a nuke to COVID is actually kind of <laughs> accurate. COVID's probably taken more people, but yeah, that's it. Was always going to be one of those three teams. It was always going to be Bama versus Ohio State or Clemson in the Natty. Didn't expect a blowout per se, but yeah, that's and. Talking about that game, I, I got that game was not ever really close or competitive after a quarter and a half, and I didn't really feel like Ohio State played poorly. I mean, Alabama was essentially flawless in that game. I think if you would like, if the, if the goal of whatever that game was, like if you had been like, all you dudes on offense are getting fifteen thousand dollars a piece if you score a touchdown on every possession, I think they could have and would have done it. I okay, I got a I got a question here, and uh-huh. this is. Might be overly hot takeish after me, who just didn't even watch national championship. Is the like, Smith the best college football player ever? Absolutely, yes. Maybe, um, but the playoff sucks. Like the current construction of the playoffs suck. Like, like I am a diehard college football fan who has a very, very vested interest based on where I lived and my alma mater separately, and like. It really sucks. Like there is, I don't understand if you are not a fan of one of eight teams, like how you derive any enjoyment now out of college football. And two, like it's become so corporatized to the point of like, I want the playoff to be don't like like make the playoff function either more like March Madness or get rid of it. I I, I don't know. Like this is ve- like it just feels like the NFL playoffs now, and it's like all right, we've got the Colts and we've got the Patriots, and like that's fine. I'm gonna sit down on my TV. I'm gonna watch it, but like there is no like actual attachment to those games like I used to feel for like the BCS games. That's why I'm pro expansion. You know, you have all these like crusty sports writers that are like, you know, you get the two blowouts in the or a blowout in a pretty good game between Clemson and Ohio State or whatever, and somewhat. And it's like, oh, you want more of this? Like, actually, I do. Like, if you're, it's, it's, it's mostly, it's not even the shitty games. It's the same logos every year. So if you get to eight teams, how can it get any worse than what the product's been in the playoff? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I get I, get the adding an extra game to like unpaid labor. Like I that's obviously like like there is there are large questions like abound because like you have to acknowledge like no, I don't want un- unpaid kids, especially like these that have already played 15 games having to get a 16th or a 17th, but it is like all right, then lop like lop off these two like lop off the two at the front and we'll play 10 game regular seasons. And then we can operate this way. I, I don't know. Like I, if you're going to play them 14 games, it, regardless, like figure out a way to make the playoff, like three of those games as opposed to only two. I, yeah. I, I don't know. But something, something in my opinion has to be fixed for like to, to be able to cultivate new fans. That's a good, that's a good point talking about, you know, lopping off the two games. The only issue with that is, A, like you mentioned, Andrew, adding more games for unpaid labor. But if you can lop off the two games, that sort of affects the ecosystem of college football because you see a team like Georgia Southern that has, you know, staked a pretty good run of seven, eight years or how long they've been in the Sun Belt. That was kind of only possible because they scheduled games against like Bama and Clemson and, you know, Georgia in the years prior to that. So they could build up their athletic departments. I don't know. Like you said, Rip, expanding it won't really change any issues we have now. Like, you know, Bama's just going to, you know, wreck shop over an eight seed or a seven seed in most years. And that's fine. That's just a different game. 
I am a boomer when it comes to bowl games. I think you should just go to a plus one system. Play your seasons as normal. Have send teams to bowl games, and then have a national championship after that. The SEC champion should play in New Orleans every year. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 should play in the Rose Bowl every year. I, 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 I stand on that. I think it's tradition. Yeah, I, I think you kind of so like. I, I think college football like has a decision to make, and you have to like go one of two ways with it. Like, you either have to go back and you have to double down on the bowl system and like make the Sugar Bowl matter. Because again, as someone who has watched their team play in the Sugar Bowl two out of the last three seasons. It, it simply just doesn't like Georgia's played in, in a quote unquote BCS game, like the last three years and they just don't matter. Like, and I mean, it's because they're viewed as disappointments if you don't make the playoff now. And so like they need to either go back and double down on saying like, no, going to the Rose bowl is like a, like a huge accomplishment and the top two teams are playing for the national championship, or they need to say like, let's try and invite a little bit of chaos in here. And like, let's go eight, 12 or 16 and, and figure it out that way. Because that there's just no way that you're going to like have an enjoyable product by saying we're taking four of these six teams every single year. People had their flaws with the BCS, but I mean, they got it right. What, like 15 out of 16 years. Like it was like, <laughs> you know, they were, the only year they didn't was 03. I mean, they put in they, – it, that that probably should have been LSU versus USC instead of LSU versus Oklahoma. Yeah, and then LSU won it anyway. So, you know, just they, there wasn't a quandary there. I don't – look, I don't – Ohio State just won their fourth straight Big Ten title, which you could say that's more of a have-and-have-not thing. They've done that I don't know how many times in their history. So it's not – no, that's nothing different. They went to one Rose Bowl in those four years. And I don't know if a kid grows up and I know recruiting's national now, but a kid grows up wanting to go to Ohio state, you go to Ohio state because you want to play in and win the Rose bowl and whatever happens after that happens after that with rankings and titles and whatnot. Ohio state seniors just graduated with one Rose bowl appearance and four big 10 titles. It's a little messed up. See, I think that's dead now though. I think like, like you're talking to recruits now who have for the last call it seven years, Oh, how old is the playoff? Seven years have basically like since they have they have been watching sports or consciously watching sports from ages 10 or 11 on like the playoff is what you now strive to win. Like, I mean, like, like, like there aren't any recruits now that are necessarily like growing up training, thinking about like the crystal ball or anything, because that's not yeah. like exists. They, they, they still they, get awarded, still get awarded. <laughs> Technically. Yeah. Like, like, I think that they they are now, like, it's just, and I don't want to say it's been, I mean, I guess it has kind of been warped, but like, I don't know, it just feels soulless now. Like, it just feels like this is, like, here's this weird fucking corporatized vagina trophy, um, and we're going to, like, just usher you into Jerry World somewhere in this nameless bowl game that is sponsored by 8,000 different people. And, like, I, I mean, obviously the national championship matters, but, like, it doesn't feel like it matters. Like, it, it not the national championship, but, like, it feels like it has killed absolutely everything around it. But they're the ones that killed it. The Rose Bowl is a big deal. The Sugar Bowl is a big deal. It's huge if you play in the ACC and you get the chance to go to the Orange Bowl. That matters to a lot of people, I think. But they've tried their best to make it not matter. I'm sorry, Rip, were you going to say? 
Oh, no, no, you're good. I was just nodding in agreement. So why not make a matter by just doing the – how many access, How many bowls are there? You've got the, the – eight, eight and seven, I don't know. Sugar, pea, uh, orange. Oh, those six. Yeah. Rose, sugar, orange, Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl. And then they added the Cotton Bowl and the Chick-fil-A Bowl, but I, whatever that is. But I would be okay with that just kind of going off to the wayside and being the next tier. Why not make the four traditional ones matter? And, and you're talking about the BCS earlier. As as stupid as it seemed to follow a computer, at least there was a concrete qualifying method instead of a bunch of dudes meeting 10 miles from my house in Grapevine, Texas, behind closed doors and just yucking it up and hashing shit out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to make it a playoff, why not make it a playoff? Like, have a system to qualify for it. And then you can make those. It wouldn't be perfect. It would still probably be boring. But at least you wouldn't have the arguing and the bitching. And and then, like, I think that's part of what dilutes it is everyone feels like they're constantly being fucked over. There's, well, I, I, sorry, I can't hear what's up. No, no, go on, Joe. I, I think the problem is right now, when I was saying earlier, like, have to pick one of two paths. Like, there is something nice about, like, the chaos of college football where it's like there is no commissioner. None of this matters. It's the fakest shit ever. It's unethical, blood sport. It's stupid, whatever. But, like, there was, like, this there was the tradition behind it. Like you got to go to the Rose bowl and like you win your conference and conferences mattered because like there wasn't a nationalized, like centralized thing. And so winning your region mattered in this very historically regional sport. But now that it's been like nationalized and corporatized, they haven't figured out like which land, like, like they're like, well, we want to make it the NFL because the NFL is king and they know how to make money, but we also want to make sure that people still give a shit and based on like their regionality and their culture and stuff like that. And so like that's where they're 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 sitting and I feel like they're fucking it over on both sides. Like they're trying to like draw this they're they're Elizabeth warning it and they're trying to like pick side, lady, like be a centrist or be a super progressive, like you're alienating both sides right now. It's it's there's never look it's college football like you said Andrew there is there has never been such thing as like an actual true champion when you have a truncated season with a hundred plus teams that technically all qualify for championships that can play twelve game seasons and that are you hear that? it's just it, <laughs> yeah it, it's I don't know man it, there's no real fix to it obviously there have been years where you know who the best team is but not a true champion they will play 13 games this year there's 126 fbs teams it's like you know <laughs> odds are bama's not going 126 no if for some like unholy reason they have to play 126 straight games or play against every team but and normal years obviously we're going to get in the spring this year i don't know shit about fcs football but that playoff thing looks fun like when they get down to the final eight and final 16 in a normal year like it's kind of fun to watch those things and like obviously there's probably more parity at that level how maybe there's less i really don't know what i'm talking about i just think like the actual playoff like expanded playoff kind of makes it more fun at least you get more people involved i think what north dakota state has done is pretty unprecedented at that level um but historically it's like yeah georgia southern and app state were like the two fcs powers and i mean i don't think either of them ever won more than like two in a row (laughs) that whole time because even even as good as Alabama is, if the more games or Ohio State insert whoever, yes, they're very good. Yes, it's probably going to end up being those teams. But making them win X amount of games in a row, and the more you increase that number, like at least it's a little drama. But obviously, with college kids, 
and all of that, you get into that area where it's like, how many games are you going to make these unpaid laborers play? I would be fine with eliminating the whole tune-up games, but to KP's point, it kind of screws the little guy financially. But it's like, what's the, like, okay, obviously Alabama, great team. Like, what's the, I think it'd be very fun to watch Alabama play North Carolina in Tuscaloosa, um, you know, the first week of the playoffs. That'd be fun. For everyone, it, it's just so, hard. To, it's hard to do. That's what uh, it's hard for them to do. But they've done it so many times, and they're going to do it at some point. What's interesting is though, like with because it's like they say that like or, or that like yes, we we need to keep the tune up games. Like you need the rental wins, you need the cupcakes or the fillers, whatever you want to call them, because like that's how a lot of these programs balance their athletic budgets. But it is funny that like the NCAA, I do like that they say that we need to keep these institutions, like we need to keep them part of the college football landscape. But then we'll go like turn face and also be like, we also would not, uh, we would rather die than consider you for the college football play. Right, right, right. Like they really do like two face it where it's like, no, we want to keep you alive, but like just alive enough to keep you in your place. There's nothing that they can actually do without saying like, okay, like we should probably pay you now. Because expand the playoff to eight, that's coming. I, I think that's very obvious. You see like, like Georgia has a, one of the most unholy non-conference schedules starting in like 2026 going forward. It's obscene. I don't know if you've looked at it, Andrew. Alabama's is pretty crazy as well. There's one year I think they played Florida State, Wisconsin, and like West Virginia all in the same year. It's, it's crazy. But it's like how do you expand without competing yeah, these players we, a little bit more? I think they got. I think they have uh, Texas, Clemson, and Tech is the <laughs> non-conference one here. Sure, yeah, and it's like they, everything is. Any move they're going to make is to make them more money. It, they, they have never cared about the welfare of the student athlete. They've never even cared about the coaches that much. They care about their top ten programs, and they care about just continuing to line their pockets. And once the playoff expands to eight. And once the regular season gets cut from 12 to 11 to preserve integrity or whatever bullshit they'll say, it's to make more money. The Cotton Bowl is worth more than, you know, Alabama versus FAU. (laughs) Can't y'all wait uh, for Tennessee to not even be able to make an 18 playoff? (laughs) Buddy, I think Tennessee's got to focus on bull eligibility before (laughs) that. That's exactly where I was going with that. Like, they better get – they're not going to be allowed to go to a bowl if I had to guess for at least a year or two um, if it's anywhere close to Ole Miss's deal. And then beyond that, good luck getting to one on your own. Yeah, I think uh, I think that might be a good place to uh, come full circle, folks. Um, I We apologize for the month hiatus. We were having to uh, stage a coup in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we're going to get back more on, on a regular schedule. KP, you want to send us off? Yeah. Uh, shout out to everyone that helped out with the coup in Knoxville. Not the other one. The Knoxville coup. Uh, we did it, Joe. See you guys soon. We did it, Joe.